Welcome to the First United Methodist Church. We hope our sermon broadcast will bless you. From the book of James, chapter 2, verses 14 through 18, it says this, My brothers and sisters, what good is it if people say that they have faith but have nothing to show it? Claiming to have faith can't save anyone, can it? Imagine a brother or sister who is naked and never has enough food to eat. What if one of you said, go in peace, stay warm, have a nice meal? What good is it if you don't actually give them what their body needs? In the same way, faith is dead when it doesn't result in faithful activity. Someone might claim, you have faith and I have action. But how can I see your faith apart from your actions? Instead, I'll show you my faith by putting it into practice in faithful action. If you would, please pray with me. God, you've called us this day to open our hearts and our minds and our spirits to hear your words of encouragement and healing and hope. Give us patience and willingness to serve you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, today we are concluding our two-part series called Resilient Faith. And last week, we defined resiliency as the ability to adapt well in the face of adversity, tragedy, or some significant source of stress. And we acknowledge that we live in a time where we seem to face more and more adversity and stress. That COVID has been sort of this global trauma that we've all experienced And not just the trauma of a deadly virus, but additionally, there's been economic and social impact that has layered the trauma that people have experienced. For us to be able to recover, we need to be able to be resilient. Resilience requires us to make sense of a world that seems to have just been turned upside down. Even without a global pandemic, we all experience adversity and tragedy and events that cause us significant stress. So the ability to be able to be resilient is crucial if we're going to thrive in life and be able to live the life that God desires for us. So last week we talked about how our faith can be an important part for us to be able to be resilient. Through our faith we can trust that the worst will not be the last thing and that God is working for good even in the bad. We can lean into the stories of faith which exhibit the resiliency of those who have gone before us. And the foundation of how we are called to live as Christians, as people of gratitude and compassion and kindness, can help build resiliency. We also said that resiliency is built through community. And so communities of faith can be a powerful way to help us be more resilient in the face of adversity. And so today we're going to look at how we cultivate resiliency through relationships. How the church can be a significant place where faith and combination with community help us to navigate adversity. So for a long time, psychologists focused on internal traits that an individual had that may lead them to be more resilient. So research showed that traits like easy temperament or high intelligence or high self-esteem or a sense of hope and personal control were all beneficial in making one resilient. This approach um, to understanding resiliency seemed to indicate that, you know, hardy individuals um, were endowed with these special traits that allowed them to be resilient and to allow them to persevere in the face of adversity. 
Well, the rest of us who didn't miraculously get endowed with those traits were just out of luck. (laughs) But in the 90s, research began to look beyond just individual ability and internal traits and began to focus more broadly at um, looking at resiliency to examine how relationships promote resiliency. Instead of it being an innate characteristic that you either had or you didn't have, whether or not it could be something that could be fostered. Instead of just hoping that we had the right stuff, that we could actually foster relationships that then strengthened our resiliency. And in fact, it was discovered that social support was one of the most important factors that contributed to the ability of somebody to be resilient in the midst of adversity. Having at least one person there for you was likely to help you to overcome difficulties that you face. I think our Western ideology of individualism, right, it's all, all about us and what we have to do, created this sort of false sense that if we just had these traits, we'd be resilient, and then, of course, if you didn't have those traits, you were in trouble. It created this belief of um, overcoming hardship being all about us while ignoring what was one of the, now research shows, one of the most important factors, and that's social support and relationship. Not only can our relationships help us to be resilient, but they can also enable us to develop and strengthen those same characteristics that once were thought to be the cornerstone of resiliency. Research has also shown that family systems can, help to be, can be resilient together. So if a family holds a positive outlook and similar spirituality and connectivity and supportiveness, that the group can collaborate and problem-solve and share resources and survive uh, adversity together. Cultures that tend to be more communal rather than individualistic like we are in the U.S. have demonstrated this. Right? Individuals in the community might not be that hardy and not, may not contain the hardy characteristics that one would expect. But together, the community is able to persevere because they work together and as a group is able to get through tough times. We tend to think, I think, of family as the people that we're biologically related to. But the church provides a group of people who function as family. We often talk about our church family or our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Our linguistics sort of demonstrate that we see each other as family. And we're a group of people who are spiritually connected, right? Who provide support to one another, who are this powerful support network when we face adversity so that not only do we survive adversity, but we can thrive through it. And as a church, we tend to have this positive outlook, or I hope we do, (laughs) because we trust in Jesus, and we know that whatever we're facing isn't going to have the last word, that God is always working for good. And so the church serves as this powerful unit of community that can help us to transcend and move through adverse times. In the creation story, in Genesis 2, there's this recognition that we weren't meant to go alone. Genesis 2.18 says this, Then the Lord God said, It's not good that the human is alone. 
I will make him a helper that is perfect for him. Right? We are created to be in relationship with one another. We are meant to be in a community and not alone. Right? I mean, God actually says it is not good for us to be alone. These relationships are essential for us to live the life that God desires for us and a life in which we are resilient and able to thrive. When we think about the heart of Jesus' message, it really is about forming community with one another and our need for one another. John 13, 34 through 35 records Jesus saying this, I give you a new commandment, love each other just as I have loved you, so you also must love each other. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples, when you love each other. Jesus is giving this commandment um, as he eats the final meal with his disciples. And John, there's this sort of long um, piece of him like teaching and saying all the last things that he wants the disciples to know before he knows he will go to his death. And this is one of them. Right? He knew that the future of the church depended on us being community, in community with one another, loving one another, because there would be times of trial. It wouldn't always be easy, and we would need one another in order to be able to persevere and allow the church to grow and thrive. And we see Jesus demonstrate this type of love throughout his ministry. Right? He's constantly inviting people into relationship with him. And there were no bounds to who he invited, right? He invites people who others would never think to invite into relationship, right? The tax collectors and the prostitutes, the leopards, the poor, the blind, the lame. In Luke, Jesus tells a parable of a good Samaritan in which he replies to a lawyer's question about who is our neighbor. And the parable says this, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes and they beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to go down the road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the man, he passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you will have. At the end, Jesus presents the question to the lawyer who was the good neighbor. And of course, the answer was the Samaritan. It is in relationship that we show mercy and compassion to one another, helping one another in the face of adversity, loving one another without regard of who the other might be. Because everyone is our neighbor, and we are called to love everyone. Paul encourages the Church of Rome to show love to one another, helping each other in their time of need, He says this in his letter, Love should be shown without pretending. Hate evil and hold on to what is good. Love each other like members of your family. Be the best at showing honor to each other. Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic and be on fire in the spirit as you serve the Lord. Be happy in your hope. Stand your ground. 
when you're in trouble and devote yourself to prayer. Contribute to the needs of God's people and welcome strangers into your home. Right? He's encouraging them to build relationships and to love one another. In our scripture passage today, James is encouraging us to put our faith in action. Not to just talk about what we believe, but that we ought to do it. We actually ought to live it out. He says knowing what we should do, right, isn't enough. I think often we get captured by studying God's word, whether it's going to Bible studies or worship or individually reading the scriptures or devotionals. But James makes the point that none of us, this does us any good if we don't do anything with it, if we don't actually live out the knowledge which we have learned and put it into action. And I think so often there's this gap between what we know we should do and what we're actually doing. We need to go out and do it, James says. Otherwise, we are really rejecting our faith. He says, faith is dead when it doesn't result in faithful action. Earlier in his letter, James said this, you must be doers of the word and not only hearers who mislead themselves. Those who hear but do not don't do the word are like those who look their, at their face in the mirror. They look at themselves, walk away, and immediately forget what they were like. Right? Jesus embodied this word throughout his ministry. He models to us what it means to build relationships, what it means to love one another, what it means to, in the process, then cultivate resiliency in others. If you think about the interactions that Jesus had and how he helped people to be resilient, whether it was the woman at the well who was shamed because of all the relationships she had, or the woman who's about to be stoned, who Jesus lifts up and while doesn't let her off or what she does, she is forgiven and walks away strong. Or Peter, who constantly gets it wrong, And yet, Jesus lets him know that he's still loved and it's okay. So how do we build relationships? Here are just several ways that we can work to build stronger relationships. One is to have open and honest communication, right? I mean, good communication is the key to a good relationship. Being open and honest helps us to establish trust and rapport with other people. Be an active listener, right? Taking time to consider what other people have to say before we respond. Being curious about other people, actually getting to know who they are and what they're about and what drives them. Two is to develop our people skills, right? How do you deal with conflict? Understanding what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are, right? Working on your emotional intelligence of recognizing how your emotions affect how you interact with the people around you. Respecting and appreciating others. Appreciating others is a powerful relationship builder, right? Making time for people regardless of who they are and treating others the way that you would want to be treated. I think Jesus says something like that at some point. (laughs) Accept and support and be supportive. 
right? The foundation of how relationships can make us resilient is when we give our time and our experience and our expertise and we help other people when the opportunity arises, when we practice empathy and we walk alongside people in their difficult times. And also when we're not afraid to ask for help or advice when we need it too. Because when we allow ourselves to let people walk beside us, they're much more likely to reach out and allow us to walk beside them when they need it. And to be positive, right? It's tempting to get involved in gossip and complaining. But there's nothing that breaks down a relationship more than gossiping and complaining. But instead, choose love. I just wanted to share a little story about our church unique process. Um, we met this week, um, and we were, we've been doing a lot of hard work in talking about who we are, who our community is, and you know, where all of those things intersect as we think about where we go forward as a church. Um, and we have a, a new facilitator, Naomi Garcia. Some of you might know her. She's been a part of the conference for a really long time. And so she's looking at the work that, she, that we've done, and she said to us, there's a huge gap between who you are and who the community is outside your doors. So we described ourselves as sort of highly educated, you know, upper middle class people, right? And then we described our community as a community in which people lived in poverty, which they were stressed. They were struggling to manage work and family. It was a very different description than what we described ourselves as. And the reality is that we just seem to be attracted to people like us. It's a lot easier, right? <laughs> because we get them. And so she just pointed out one of the challenges that we have as a church moving forward is how are we going to bridge that gap? between who we are and who the people around us are, right? And it really goes to this uh, sense of building relationships. <laughs> you know, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Jesus has spoke <laughs> as he rolls across the floor. <laughs> um, I don't even know where I was now. I mean, you know, so how do we build relationships in our community? Right? And it's going to take all of these skills that I just named. It's going to take a lot of love, and it's going to take us to be curious, to understand the people around us, because they're not necessarily like us. But they're people who need a family and need a support network to help them be resilient for all the struggles that they're overcoming. I think one of the ways that we began to do that was the little downtown pantry. Um, we're going to um, recognize that and all of you who have been a part of that in a little bit, right? But we need to think about what is the next thing? How are we going to engage our community? How are we going to build relationships with the people around us so that we can be meaningful to the people in our community that have changed from maybe who they were 40 years ago when you all became part of this church? I think Jesus, he, he never promises us that life will be easy, right? There will, will be times when we face challenges and adversity. But he knew that if we created community in which relationships were based in love for one another, we would be able to be resilient. 
and we could not only get through the challenges, but that we could grow and thrive. And think about the number of people in our community who need that community to help them grow and thrive as they're faced with the adversities of their lives. Um, as we were having that conversation, we were talking about where we ranked as far as um, poverty level um, compared to other counties in the state. And so then I Googled it after that meeting, and we have the highest poverty level of any county in the state of Michigan. People need a community that helps them to be resilient. The idea that we're just individualistic and we can pull ourselves up by the bootstraps doesn't prove to be true. People need a community of people and a spirituality that will help them get through the tough times. And my hope is that you will strive to form relationships, to form church, that you may be a powerful force of God's love in the world, transforming even the adversity into something good. If you would, please pray with me. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be reminded of your love for us a love that is unconditional and that includes everyone. Remind us that you love us just as we are and where we are at. Help us to be changed by that love, inspired by that love, that we might seek to love others in the same way. Whether it's by choosing small acts of love each day, listening instead of judging, whether it's reaching out to help and allowing others to help us, Give us the courage to love one another as you love us so that this world may be whole. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.